Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This Nancy Pelosi thing is really scary, isn't it? Really scary. You see uh, Rand Paul? Uh, Rand Paul's response. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, he responded like an adult. He did, um, but he also made a point with it. Did you? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, he said, he, so basically, he said about the, so Nancy Pelosi's husband was uh, assaulted in their home. There's t- we don't have any of the details on it yet, but everyone's just kind of saying the same thing that you should say, which is, hey, God, that's terrible. Horrible. And it should not happen to anybody, no matter what, you know, whether you agree with, it or not, with them or not. He, he writes, no one deserves to be assaulted. Unlike Nancy Pelosi's daughter, who celebrated my assault, I condemn this attack and wish Mr. Pelosi a speedy recovery. And he links to the tweet where uh, Nancy Pelosi's daughter said Rand Paul's neighbor who assaulted him was right for assaulting him. Uh, which was an eventually actually one of the very few examples of pre-Elon Musk Twitter censorship against the left. They actually deleted that tweet because it was someone endorsing an assault. Yeah, really, really bad. Um, and this is a threat to our democracy. Things like this, um, if, I mean, I hate to even say this, but I hope it was just some crackhead that was just whacked out of their mind. But how does somebody as rich as the Pelosi's and as high profile as the Pelosi's not have security at their house? How, how does that happen? Certainly not sufficient security if they no, had any. not at all. Anyway, um, we pray for the uh, Pelosi's and pray for the Republic as well. Great podcast today. You don't want to miss. It is a roller coaster ride that you don't want to miss. Brought to you by Goldline. Goldline is the hedge against insanity. And if you don't think that we've reached the insane part of our story... Uh, you might need some medical attention yourself. And actually, we haven't hit the really fully insane. That's still to come. Still to come. I want you to call Goldline and just find out if gold or silver is right for you. Call Goldline today. Tell them that Glenn sent you. Um, tell me you're listening to the podcast and give them the promo code MYB. That represents Mind Your Business, and they'll give you one of the silver bars as a thank you just for calling in. Request information at their website, but call them. It's, it's just easier. Goldline.com or 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE. Find out how they can help you. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Let's go to Selena uh, Zito. Hello, Selena. How are you? Hello, sunshine. How are you? <laughs> Very good. You sound tired. Been working I hard. Sound like <laughs> I have a Tallulah Bankhead thing going. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> that's called. Uh, spending a lot of time on the road and talking to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, thank you for that, by the way. You're the Washington Examiner National Political Reporter. You are also a uh, columnist for the New York Post and the co-author of The Great Revolt, which explained what happened in 2016. Um, you get it because you actually talk to people. You wrote right. an amazing I- article 
um, that has just come out, the painful story on how John Fetterman arrived at Tuesday night's humiliation. I read it on the air uh, just last hour. I want to get to that. But I, I first want to get your reaction on what are people saying? What are the voters saying? What's really happening on the ground there? Well, you know, it's a funny story. I drove all the way out to the debate from Pittsburgh to Harrisburg. I got there, realized that the only people I would be watching the debate with was other reporters. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to learn anything here. <laughs> drove all the way back halfway across the state and stopped in a bar and uh, just sat back and observed people watching the debate. And I think the most um, powerful thing about watching those reactions was the watching the realization on their faces that they had no idea that um, John Fetterman was in this bad of a condition. Well, they understood because he would do a rally here and there, spoke a couple times. They, they understood there was somewhat of a problem, but they didn't, they thought it was, speech-related as opposed to cognitively related. Uh, and when he was put in a position where he had to answer questions and provided all the tools available to him and he still struggled, they now realized nobody has been telling them this. I mean, I have, Joshua Burns has, but that's about it. All the other reporters have just omitted uh, that this is an issue. And so as they were talking among each other, they were really frustrated and angry at my profession for not being demonstrating exactly what the problem is and being honest about what they've seen over the past couple months, but also really mad at other Democrats like Senator Bob Casey, who has stood on the dais with him in about a half a dozen events, maybe more, and, and, and talked about how terrific shape he's in. And, and, and he even had the audacity to go on national news after the debate and said he did a terrific job. Then you add that with the Philadelphia Inquirer saying that he won the debate mm. and CNN saying he won the debate. And, and, and you add all that together, and, and there's this sort of invisible and quiet thing going on with voters saying, y'all are gaslighting us, and we're tired of it. So is it going to change the way people—we are so set in our camps now um, that I wonder if anything would change anybody's mind. Yeah, will, absolutely. Will, will this change their mind? I saw it. I saw it happening in real time. Look, one of the things that was so important about the book, The Great Revolt, it was that it was understood this coalition and this conservative populist coalition that formed long before uh, Donald Trump ever yeah. stepped on the stage and remained intact. You look at Pennsylvania in 2020. So what happened? Joe Biden won. Joe Biden won barely. What people did not talk about was that there was a significant red wave down ballot in the um, congressional races, in the statewide row office races, in the state house, in the state Senate. The, that coalition remained to, to, together, once again, proving that this was not about Trump. 
but it was about their lives, their communities, and how they are impacted. And I think that remains to be the underlying the, uh, or, the, or the story that is consistently missed in, in, in reporting. And, and, and I'll give you an, an example of that. The other day, did you see the Kentucky coal miner who came to, went to the basketball to watch? Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. If that ha- By the way, that's something I see all the time. To me, that was like, yeah, I mean, that's what people do. Right. But, you know, everyone was like, oh, my God. But it ran, it, that image started to um, be shared across uh, social media at the exact same time that the Washington Post wrote a story and that said why rural Americans are so angry and resentful and why they're voting Republican. And I thought... This is the perfect example. These two moments together of how my my profession does not understand the very people that they're covering. That coal miner was not angry and resentful that he had to go to the game like that. He was appreciative that he had a job to go to and the ability to leave that job and go sit in a basketball game. Yeah. So so you bring up in your so wait a minute before I go on to this. The polls show that Oz is now up uh, two to three points. I would, in normal times, I would have expected that to be six, seven, eight. Um, but who knows? Um, are are what are you thinking about? Is Fetterman going to win? Is there going to be enough space between them? Look, here's the here's the challenge for Fetterman. And by the way, I would say it's been a challenge. I've been reporting this since mid September. Dr. Oz, who I was incredibly skeptical of uh, in in the beginning when he first announced he was running, has actually proved and matured as a very good candidate. Someone who goes into those places, as I call um, uh, the middle of somewhere, and, and talks to the voters that nobody thinks about. And he listened to them. I have logged on thousands of miles on the back roads with Oz watched him in rural areas, watched him in, um, in majority-minority areas, just listening to voters, where, by the way, no other reporter would be. So he's not there to get a photo op. No one's there. I'm there. And, and he's actually doing it because he wants to understand what the issues are. So that was a long way of telling you that I have always thought that John Fetterman was losing voters incrementally, but losing them. Remember, he was up 12 percentage points. Yeah. But he also has no ability to gain voters. And it's not just based on his um, on his illness. Uh, you know, I, I've been doing, I don't know if anybody's reading it, but I've been reporting that he, as mayor, the whole sort of elevated story that you saw in the Rolling Stone and the Atlantic and New York Times, these glossy, beautiful pieces about how he saved this, this um, borough in southwestern Pennsylvania. I've been covering him since 2005. He didn't save that town. He, he was barely ever there. He didn't attend the events. He really had very little power to begin with. Crime went up population declined and the heart and soul of that town, the hospital where there was the only sit down restaurant for people to go to in the cafeteria was, wow. was, was torn down. 
I hope people go to selenazito.com and read the reporting that I've been doing. Yep. I know I'm not on social media, but but that reporting has been it's been so, there for months. I, I saw the uh, I saw the story um, on that when it came out. And how do the people of the town feel when they're hearing, "Hey, he saved our town." Well, that was the beauty of that, of that story. That wasn't me telling everyone that. That was them saying that. They talked about how their town didn't get better. They talked about no jobs coming in. They talked about the, uh, the people that have fled to get out of there because there's no hope and there's no opportunity. And they talked about it always being just about him and never about them. And they talked about him going after one of their neighbors, a um, a young black man who was jogging and he put a shotgun to his chest and kept him there because he thought he was some sort of um, criminal. Because he thought, he, yeah. And, and by the way, that young man's life has been destroyed. That young man's life has been destroyed and he has never been apologized to or the kind that he went up to a local bar, a nightclub owned by way by a black entrepreneur and changed the wording on the signs at 2 o'clock in the morning, and a camera caught it um, saying that it was closed and not opened because he deemed it unworthy uh, to be opened in the town. These are the stories that people of Braddock will tell you, not the stories, not me saying this. This is them saying this. That's why I think that reporting is so important, let alone that he didn't pay his taxes. In the poorest school district, in one of the poorest school districts in the state, he didn't pay the school tax. And, you know, it, 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 it frustrated me every time all these glossy stories were put out there, you know, with him standing in front of a steel mill. Uh, it, it, at the same time, his parents were paying for his education. I mean, paying for his family's lifestyle. It's, you know, it's amazing to me. He reminds me of... In, in many ways, Karl Marx. Karl Marx was a horrible human being that never paid a dime of his own way. Uh, he, he practically bankrupt his parents. He lived off his parents and then his family for his whole life. Never really accomplished anything. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's astounding. Yeah. I can't even imagine not wanting to have purpose in your life in that way. Other than the purpose of power, which is what I believe that it is, this has always been about. Okay, so we're talking to Selena Zito. Uh, SelenaZito.com is her uh, web address, but she writes for the New York Post and also the Washington Examiner. When in 2016, when you nailed what was happening, you were the only one that the media went, how did she get this so right? Um, and you wrote a book about it. You went to work um, for CNN as a contributor there. And I know you, Selena. I know you, you probably walked in at first hoping that people will actually listen and get it. And then they didn't. Um, and thus, they're down the toilet even more. Why are they not looking? Why are they not exposing things like Fetterman? Are they afraid uh, or are they afraid of being uh, ostracized by their own uh, their own group? Or is it is it that they just won't do it because they're on the bandwagon? Oh, 
so it's, I have an entire chapter about this in my book, and I think that it's probably the one that people should really, really read. Um, it's called A Culture Craving Respect. And the problem with my profession is the same problem that you see in corporate America, in um, major news organizations, but also in institutions and governments, but also even in um, sports organizations, in that the people in the boardrooms um, are all come from the same, they all live in the same super zip codes. What do I mean by super zip codes? The wealthiest counties in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all went to the same great schools. Now, they may have come from Iowa, but they left that far behind once they got to D.C. or New York. And and so what happens is when they go to, whether it is write a story or do a commercial or make a boneheaded decision like the NFL did and, and um, uh, let Colin Kaepernick um, do whatever he wanted despite having a contract that said you cannot do this, is because they don't, they are so disconnected from the people who read their stories, mm-hmm. who buy their tickets, who sit in their seats. That is the larger problem, right? That's where the problem begins. It began at the same time where more uh, companies kept buying up smaller companies. So there's less co- local uh, connection to the people who buy your products. Um, but also um, local news organizations tar- started to shudder. Uh, and, and so people had to gravitate to buying their items and or reading their news from places that don't know them. They don't know anyone that sits in a pew every Sunday. They don't know anyone that says a prayer before dinner. They don't know anyone that owns a gun. They don't know anybody else that uses a gun. Um, and, and so... Because of that, when they plop into a place, they it, it, they seem like a freak show. They so, look at the people and say, You're, y'all are a freak show. I have one and, minute. I have one minute. The yeah. reporter that her job was threatened, I mean, she was just beat up by everybody Sorry, from Sorry, NBC. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is she, and she folded. Was that a message? Did everybody who was covering this know clearly what how bad Fetterman was? Yes, they did. I was still, I just watched them watch the same things I'd seen. They knew. They always knew. Did they? Sasha Burns is a very good reporter, and I will sing her praises forever because she has kept on that story, and she continues to keep on the story. I would, I would keep an eye on her. And I think it's interesting that it's a young woman and a 63-year-old grandma that only have the nerve to write this stuff. Okay, well, one last question, 10 seconds. Fetterman going to win? Or uh, Oz, so. what? I think it ends up. I think it ends up being Oz. Oh, I hope you're right this time. Uh, thank you so much, Selena. God bless, and we'll follow your reporting. SelenaZito.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I love Michael Malice. He is the host of the podcast. You're welcome. And uh, he, this is what it says on my my sheet here from my producers. Uh, a comedian attempts to convince Glenn to endorse John Fetterman. <laughs> Go at it, Michael. And I know you're doing this just because you think Fetterman in office would be fun. 
No, that's not correct. That's not Actually, correct. Actually, and I, I also want to point out something else. I had a correction issued from Vice magazine, which had said, correction, in a previous article, uh, Michael Malice was identified as a comedian. Right. So I am not well, I don't a find comedian. you funny at all, Michael. Quite <laughs> well, that's why I'm on this show, where humor, goes to die, where humor goes to die and common sense. All right, all right, all right. So why, um, why are you going to try to convince me? To vote for uh, John Fetterman. I don't think, I, I'm not going to convince you to vote for him because you're not in Pennsylvania, but I will convince you that it's a good thing that he defeats Dr. Oz and for a couple of reasons. Would you agree with me that it is a superior situation for America that we went Obama, Obama, Trump than if we had gone Obama, Romney, Romney in the elections? Yes. So if you went back in time to 2012 and you told yourself, Glenn, Quit now. You're going to be a mess in 10 years. But other than that, you should prefer (laughs) – and get rid of Stu because he's out of control. Mm -hmm. But you should prefer that Obama take this election because it's going to work out in the long term. You would have thought you were crazy, but that would have been the correct result, right? Okay, so wait, 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 wait. Wait, am I right? No, 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 no. I'm leading the – you're on the road, sir. (laughs) No, I – could I – may I speak? Yeah, it's – go ahead. All right. Um, I stopped (laughs) – I stopped uh, trying to figure out uh, long-term strategies after Trump because I realized, okay. you know what, it's got, it, it'll, it'll all work out for the best. Just do the next right thing. And you'll never convince me that the next right thing is to have John <laughs> Fetterman in. I can convince you very easily, and this right. is why. Because okay. the only power the Republican base has over the Republican Party is to refuse to put rhinos into Congress. That is their only power. We saw it in 2016 where establishment candidate after establishment candidate was the stop Trump candidate. We're seeing it now in 2022 where Mitch McConnell is pulling money from New Hampshire when Bolditch has a chance against Maggie Hassan if it's a wave election and he's putting into whatever North or South Carolina, right. which is definitely going to go to Republican because Mitch McConnell wants that vote that's going to be more loyal to him than towards the MAGA wing and to the American people. So So if you are going, hold on, let me just finish. If you're going to take losses somewhere or other, it's better to have that loss be a Democrat who can't even talk than let's suppose a (laughs) Barack Obama who's charismatic or Nancy Pelosi who is a good parliamentarian. Okay, except I don't think he would serve out his full term, and that would put his wife in the That's driver's fine, seat. but the point is Oz Woods. Right, right, right. right. Okay, debates, okay, okay. Hold on, let me, no, okay. let me say one more sentence. Right. If you're on the debate stage saying that your goal is to work with the Democrats and your goal is to uh, tighten up background checks, you know perfectly well how this person is going to govern. But this is this is wait. But your point being that that the anti-Trump candidates, right, were the establishment people. But this is a, this I, is Trump's pick, right? This, this is, is Trump's this guy. Is, Trump endorsed Romney twice. Hmm. Trump only cares if someone returns his calls. <laughs> oh, silence! Exactly. You have nothing to say. Okay. Well, so I, 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 no, 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 no. I have a lot John to Fetterman say. in office would be very, very bad. Would That's be what I would very say. bad. Would be How? very you, bad. Why do you want a because, competent Democrat? Because you want someone who's good at being a Democrat? No, no, no. If, no. if he's going to, if we have to have an incumbent Democrat, one that is terrible, like uh, in some ways would be preferable because maybe they'd be easier to beat. This is also a strategy been, that's been attempted by the Democrats multiple times, and it has not worked out particularly yeah, we well. We got John. We we have we have Joe Biden on the same strategy. <laughs> I don't would want another have, incompetent person in there. Would you rather have Obama in the White House right now than Joe Biden? 
Uh, uh, no. uh, oh, interesting. <laughs> I, 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 it's tough to think about that. I, I, yeah. I mean, isn't it a good thing that Dianne Feinstein, according to the New York mm-hmm. Post, was told three times by Chuck Schumer that she has to retire, and she agreed three times, and three times she forgot about their conversation? Yes. Isn't that a good thing? <laughs> yes, it is. It is. But I. Isn't it a good thing when the Democratic Party is regarded as a laughingstock as John Stewart made the Bush administration for eight years instead of some, ple- some uh, organization that people can look up to and admire? Look. Michael, look, Michael, look, Michael, listen to me. Listen to me. These are all good things if it's not a good night on election night or a bad election day on the next morning. Having you on saying these things will go, you know what? You're right. It is a good thing that Fetterman's in there. Feel good You're right. It's save that. Save that. Because I'll any, need that. Is there any situation where you would prefer that the Democratic candidate win over the Republican candidate? I think this, and this is speaking for myself here, I usually am incredibly, I hate partisanship. Uh, This particular uh, election, I'm more partisan than normal because I want there to be an ability to stop what they are doing. The fact is like Dr. Oz, as I've stated a thousand times, is not the candidate that I want as a Republican senator. Uh, However... These votes matter, and the fact that we may have Supreme Court justices that they're going to be able to push through and things of that nature, I think, are, are really important. So yeah. control the Senate up, matters to if me. If we yes. can get up to 54, 55 senators... Then you're looking at a potential filibuster-proof majority yeah. in 2024. Yeah. So I so do think there are a, reasons for this, yes. So despite you just saying you're not a partisan, you're saying the only... Just to be clear, the only times you're comfortable with a Democrat taking a seat is if there's 60 Republicans? No, no, no. I'm, I'm comfortable with... A Democrat, like if if Joe Lieberman decided to run, I'd be like, you know, okay, he's pretty good. Um, Is he? Joe he Lieberman voted for Obamacare just yeah. because he like criticized the Democrats. You're happy with the, Joe Lieberman? No, that's the that's the older Joe on, Lieberman. <laughs> he was good on some things. Right? Yeah, I mean, he was good on some, some things. things I at least on. agreed with him uh, at times, and he did have his own mind. Um, I'm going to say why Fetterman is good on some things. Okay. And you're not going to disagree with me. All right. The only time there's an effective anti-war coalition in Congress is when you have a Republican president, and that's when the Democrats become anti-war. In every other circumstance, both parties are tripping over themselves to support imperialism and the war state. And that's one thing Fetterman would be good for. Mm. I don't I think, think he's I suck th- on everything. I think I, I mean we, again, we have Democrats in office now. They're throwing how many billions of dollars like a day? Like I said, if you had a Republican president, that's the only time there's an anti-war coalition in Congress with. But that's the, the yes, I know. Republican but, presidents have led many, many wars, right? Obviously. Right, and the only time they have opposition is with the <laughs> left wing of the Democrats. Yeah, well, but Otherwise, having opposition, but the I, war I still happens, isn't a positive. No, I know, but what war. he's saying, no, no, no. But what he's saying is, if we had, and I don't think the same would be true with Donald Trump, and I think this. Correct is changing i think there a lot of conservatives are actually changing i they're, agree with you where they're like what what is, can we learn our lesson here this doesn't work get you out of these you're not learning your lesson because you keep voting in rhinos and oz is the king of that he had a show for 10 years he had never stood up for conservative no. principles on a show once he's oprah winfrey's puppet and oprah winfrey single-handedly got barack obama the nomination it would be nice if oh, I'm surprised Oprah Winfrey has not come out and uh, helped Dr. Oz at all. <laughs> it well, wouldn't help. Well, well, she support. It she would help in Pennsylvania. Otherwise, it's a she wouldn't be state. black. What's that? 
She has to support Biden or else she wouldn't be black. That's true. Ah, uh, you're right. You're right. True, I always guys. forget that you're not really black claws. Right. <laughs> it's in the Constitution, if I'm so. Uh, so, Michael, let me let me ask you this. Um, yeah. it, what were your thoughts when you watched him? Because it it wasn't funny at all. It was really sad, but it made me also angry. To watch I'm the sorry. debate, it, it was extremely funny because he opened up the debate by saying "hello, good night," <laughs> um, and this shaved Chewbacca that they. But his wife blocked me because she's like, "Oh, John Fetterman said I don't remember the Statue of Liberty." I said he doesn't remember remember anything. You sadistic witch! It is despicable. <laughs> it is despicable that his family and his team put a broomstick up his bum and put him in front of that mic when any other candidate could have served that purpose because they're not really voting for Fetterman. You're voting for a Democratic vote, right? Like, it, yeah, you don't really need... The staff will run the, 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 the um, Senate office. So even if he can't even talk, it doesn't really matter. We saw that with Storm Thurmond toward the end when he was literally 100 years old. Yeah, you're 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 seeing that with... Uh, what's your name you're just talking about uh, in Feinstein. California? Yes. Yeah, you're seeing the same thing. That is that That is the biggest... Uh, you know, threat to democracy. They keep saying, oh, it's a threat to democracy. They don't actually care about deliberation. They only want people in there. They'll take them brain damaged, uh, you know, on a stretcher, almost wait, dead. Wait, they, Stu just said he will support the Republican in any circumstance until they're 66. That is not what I said at all. <laughs> what I said yes. was, I'm not a partisan, which, by the way, true, I'm not a registered Republican or Democrat. I voted third party all the time. My point is only in this election, what I'm rooting for, not necessarily what I'm voting for, what I'm rooting for is, an is end. freaking the end of Democratic control of the Senate. This should not be a controversial <laughs> viewpoint on this particular program. Glenn, it's it's Glenn, not. Hang I'm, on just a sec. I am with him on this because we are at the end of the Republic. And I know that makes some people happy. It doesn't make me happy. I'd like to, before we burn it down, I'd like to see, can we get it on the track enough and find, a, you know, find an Elon Musk that will come in and go, yeah, we're firing all you people. Um, <laughs> I am just shocked that we got Stu to admit on air that he's a member of Andrew Yang's forward party. This is where you're an anarchist. This is where you're an anarchist. You come up and you just stir it all up and then you leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is why John Fetterman's wise wife blocked you. <laughs> uh, by the way, real quick, what do you think the changes are going to mean? Anything substantial with uh, Twitter? Yes, I think that for a long time, corporate journalists and academic professors who were, I, you know, refer to as members of the enemy class, they were taking loss after loss after loss on Twitter because for the first time they had accountability. They're not in their offices where they kind of um, protected against criticism. And now without having that shield in front of them, they're really going to... Uh, have a come to Jesus moment with their depravity and malfeasance. And it's going to be absolutely glorious to watch the thro them throw tantrums for the next couple of years. So does on Monday, he said the change, some changes are going into effect. The first changes, uh, Babylon B Donald Trump, who's back. I hope Trump, I hope Trump waits until after the midterms, because this is just going to give the Democrats an issue and distraction from inflation and, and abortion and all this unspending. So we can worry about Trump on November 9th. Yeah. I really hope he has that presence of mind to keep his mouth shut just for another two weeks. 
Michael Malice, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Michael. Always a pleasure, guys. Vote yep. veteran. Host of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's such a jerk. He is such a jerk. He just loves to stir it up. He's going to be mm-hmm. on the coverage, and I'm like... Oh, it's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. I'm like, th- th- we're not going to get any real work done. Because no. he's just going to play contrarian <laughs> just to get us all going. Uh, but anyway, we're going to have a, a lot of fun. Uh, all of the Blaze hosts, the biggest Blaze hosts are going to be there uh, with our coverage. You don't want to miss it on election night. Uh, we have Megan Kelly, we uh, uh, Dave Rubin, Jason Whitlock, Stu, Pat, uh, everybody. Sarah Gonzalez is going to be Sarah there. Sarah Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Also, primetime 99 Alex Stein. <laughs> Who is between him and Malice? If I lose control of the night, it will be these two to blame because they, mm-hmm. they, you never know what they're going to say. <laughs> um, also, just a quick reminder the following Wednesday, a week later, I'm doing a special show on targets of tyranny, how to survive being an enemy of the state. This is an amazing show. We're going to have a, a small audience. If you would like to be a part, we never open up the chocolate factory anymore. If you want to be a part of that broadcast, you have to email now. It is for Saturday, November 12th. It'll be in the evening, Saturday, November 12th. Tickets at glenbeck.com. Do it now. Tickets at glenbeck.com. And I'll welcome you into our, our studios. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Alex Stein is here. I never know what's going to happen with Alex Stein. It's already been a rough day. Sorry, wouldn't you say? It's been an adventure. Been a roller coaster ride of a show so far. Already. Already. <laughs> Well, today's unorthodox too. It's an honor and a privilege, but then you got a, a gala going on here, so the place is, uh, you know, wild. You got ten different people running in and yeah. out with chairs, Superman outfits. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts at yeah. Blaze right now. We told them that they had to wear the Superman outfit to be able to bring the chairs in. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Except it makes super the chairs look really heavy. So uh, Alex is the host of Conspiracy Castle. Uh, he is a Blaze TV contributor, primetime ninety nine. Alex Stein, uh, I just I just did something with you on television last week, and I played some of the clips of you where you go in and you'll go into city council meetings and you I don't know how you pull this off with a straight face for as long as you do, because they're absurd. What you're saying is absurd. And everybody just acts like it's not. <laughs> well, I mean, we live in, we live in an absurd world, so uh, people, you know, are having trouble deciphering what is real and what is fake. And you know, my comedic hero is Andy Kaufman, so really, I'm just kind of a hack. I'm just, you know, basically mixing absurdity and reality. And in the culture we live in today, you can't tell what is. You what. can't. You can't. Uh, so you were just up at a uh, campus. You were going to um, give a talk with uh, what's his name, Gavin McInnes. Yeah, Gavin McInnes, and they actually spat on you. Uh, literally Glenn. literally and it was a pretty this this girl she'd been practicing that was uh that was not a first time spitter can we play the video here i just want to say you guys are poor representation of the youth of our nation I am insane. Yeah, that is the spot we've seen. Why is there any big booty like here? What's wrong? You could have been a boy. I should have been a boy. 
This is so dangerous. This is the future of our of our country. I mean, these, I are, know. The, these are the brightest bulbs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that she had a lot of spit. Yeah. So she's she has to get you an audio person. Yeah. Uh, that's that's we do. step Yeah, the audio one. well no no it, it was crazy mm-hmm. like that. It was just uh, the mic was a little too close to my uh, mouth. But yes. Yes, we did realize yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. We know what caused <laughs> it. The question <laughs> is, is okay, why right, 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 you? All right, you guys can troll me. I'm the troll. No trolling me. The mic was not okay. perfect. I was in a war zone. Yes. Like, if I'm in Kabul, Afghanistan, I'm sorry if the audio is not perfect, Stu. I apologize. <laughs> okay. So you were at Penn State. Um, and they wanted you not to be at Penn State. They don't understand freedom of speech at all. Uh, are you are you going to do anything about it? I mean, not the spitter. I mean, the spitter is just... No, she's a young kid. I mean, I'm not going to go after her. That would be punching down. But no, I am going to uh, file a civil rights lawsuit against Penn State University because they said they had a lot of kickback, Glenn, before the event saying, oh, it should be shut down, it should be shut down. And the university administrator said, oh, well, we're going to go on with it. We believe in free speech. We're state universities. They're publicly mm-hmm. funded. They have federal money. So they're held to a different standard than these private colleges. Once they shut it down, you know, that made them liable to a lawsuit. But this is the problem. When, when you're in that group, Glenn, every, you're a fascist, you're a fascist. I said, well, define a fascist for me. And I think Benito Mussolini defined fascism as the merger of corporation and state. I'm anti-establishment. I don't want corporation and state together at all. But these kids do. So it's all projection. It's Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals where you accuse the enemy of doing what you're actually doing. And this is a clear-cut example of these kids being confused and not even knowing. It's like the dog that chases the car. Once it catches up to the bumper, it doesn't know what to do with it. So so this is the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to say, yeah, we'll wait until they get into the real world. That's over. They are in the real world now. And yeah. we're the ones having to change. I, I saw a poll recently about freedom of speech. And everybody says they're for freedom of speech. But there's a good... Now, I believe majority of uh, people under 40 that are saying, yeah, but I mean, some free speech should put you in jail. Yeah, which is ridiculous. And if you look at on Twitter right now, now with Elon Musk taking it over and giving us the impression that we're going to have free speech, people are going nuts. They're so excited. But then the people on the left, Glenn, are melting down. And that's where I'm like, why are these people, these blue check marks, afraid of letting human beings say however they feel? And that's the problem is they don't want you to be able to say how you actually feel. Well, so today is going to be interesting. The next few weeks really on Twitter, because I just have this great urge just to go. uh, Ivermectin is the best. Oh, yeah. Um, And, you know, people will push the boundaries of free speech, which, you know, there, there has to be responsibility with every right. There's responsibility. Let's not do that. That's not necessarily good for society. Well, my favorite is a guy, or excuse me, woman, Rachel Levine. And Rachel Levine, who was born Dick Levine, and if you say Rachel Levine is a man on Twitter, you can get kicked off Twitter. As a matter of fact, the Babylon Bee, that's why their account got suspended for just saying basically a fact. I mean, Rachel Levine, although she's one of the most beautiful administrators we've ever had, <laughs> she's a man. That's a dude, baby, as Austin Powers said. I don't know if that's how he said it, but yeah. if you say that it's on a man, Twitter, that's man. a man. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you're sharper than me, Glenn. But I'm just saying, it's just you can't even point out the elephant in the room. So when you say the ivermectin, you say the sudden adult death syndrome, you say any of that type of stuff on Twitter, you're subject to removal. Although that 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 ends today, in theory. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, Elon uh, Musk said, "We'll see." 
Elon Musk said the bird is free. At 11 o'clock, he tweeted last night, the bird has been freed. Well, you know, and I, I take it back to the midterms, too. It's like, you know, now that they give us the impression that we have free speech, oftentimes I think they can even censor us more. It's like we see potentially we're going to have a red wave in the coming up election. But because of all the legislation that the Biden administration and Biden administration has put in for the past two years, we can't even get in office and change everything. So that will all lay on the laps of conservatives. So when the economy crashes and everything goes to crap, they're going to say, yeah. well, you guys had all the control. You guys did it all. You know, you, then this is all a Republican conservative well, I think, problem. I said this a couple of weeks ago. You watch. They've been denying that we're in a recession. They've been denying that there's any kind of problems. Jobs are fine. We've all been saying, no, they're not. This is going to get worse from here. Uh, now, Biden is already setting up. I'm telling you, if you give the Congress and the Senate to the Republicans, uh, it's going to get worse. Yeah, and you look at our economy. I mean, the idea that anybody can buy a single-family home, people can't. I mean, people can't afford their groceries. People can't afford you know, to fill up the gas tank. So you know, people are struggling right now, and, and they're asking for help. But all they can do is give an 80, 80 more billion dollars to Ukraine. I mean, it's just absurd that these people, they don't want to help us. I think everything they're doing is a controlled demolition of the American system, especially the idea that why are they taking us off energy independence? The oil and gas industry can lift up this entire world. We could we could basically supply oh, I know. It. just here in Texas. Why are we not doing that? Why I are know. we not taking advantage of the things that would make our country, which was the most powerful country in the world? I don't know if that's the case any longer. How old are you? 35. 35 years old. I was just sobering up when I was 35. Well, you know, do you, you say that, Glenn, that changed my life. I, I quit drinking when I was 31, and that was the biggest uh, change in my life. That that was, and everybody out there, I'm not trying to be a, you know, a, a negative Nancy. I know everybody wants to have their fun, but alcohol and drugs is a lifestyle that will only make you more depressed, and it will only ruin your life. Destroy it. Just destroy it. And once you can take a step back, because you can't see it, you know, you can't see the forest for the big tree in front of your face. Yeah. If you're out there and you're struggling, take a break. Take a month off. Take a couple of weeks off. But, you know, in society with the fentanyl and the drug crisis, everybody has a problem they want to medicate. So I think, sadly, the drug problem is only going to get worse. I was reading Ryan Holiday's new book, which is about discipline. And one of the things he talks because he doesn't drink at all. And he, he talks about uh, how the best way to make a decision as to whether you should continue a habit that's questionable to you is to think about it as if it came out today and you knew everything about it, would you still make the decision? Like if alcohol was released in stores tomorrow for the first time, with all the information that we already know about it, would you start drinking tomorrow? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Margaritas are fun, <laughs> yeah. too. Come on, everybody wants to have a margarita, yes. pina colada. Yes, I would. No, but yes, I guess that's would. a really is wise way of looking at that because, you know, mo most of these things, they become, like, drinking is cultural, right? Like, I, you know, I, I drink a, a, certainly a little bit more than you guys at this point, <laughs> uh, but not a lot. You know, I'm not, I'm, well, but a social drinker, I'll yeah. have a drink or two if we go out to dinner or whatever. Mm. And often you go out and it just feels like, all right, everyone else is ordering a drink. I should order a drink. And it, that's just dumb cultural pressure. Uh, Penn Gillette said the same thing. You know, he just came to that point where he was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to be embarrassed about not ordering a drink. Oh, I, 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 I think you, you, you I, guys are on the other side of this where maybe, you know, you've had a uh, Glenn, certainly, I don't know, uh, you know, Alex is, as well, but like, you had a real problem with this. It was ruining your life. Okay, it was destroying right. your life. In fact, <laughs> I mean, look at what it made you today. Uh, so you had that and you came on the other side and you said, hey, all right, like now I can look at this and see how absurd these things were because you went through that pain. Most people don't go through that pain. I and mean, I've never had any, I've yeah. never had any negative mm -hmm. consequences from drinking other than a couple of bad headaches and right. a, a, a vomit right. or two. Uh, so like you get, but you realize it's just a 
dumb decision overall it doesn't it doesn't improve your life it doesn't make it doesn't give you any long-term prospects of of growth per se it's just something we do because it's culturally there if i would have bought stock in jack daniels or maker's mark i would have made a lot of money I, buy I stock in it all you want. For uh, let I'm the other convinced. Idiots give you. I, I'm convinced. I just me alone drove <laughs> that company. <laughs> well, well, to true. your point, Stu, and I always say this, you know, and I stole this from Charles Barkley in the '80s. I'm not a role model, so I don't want to give anybody necessarily advice. But the first piece of advice I will give everybody, as I say that. <laughs> Do not worry about the opinions of others. That's Who what we cares? try to do. Nobody yeah. cares. Even your person that's probably, you yeah. know, they say, you know, what is it? your biggest fan is a stranger and your biggest, you know, enemy is probably somebody real close to you. So worrying about the opinions of strangers, just be yourself. You know, I saw, I saw an interview with Larry King right before he passed away and they said, what is some advice for future broadcasters? And he said, kid, just be yourself. And I think that, you know, you could extrapolate that for everybody. Just be yourself. That doesn't mean be a jerk or, you know, be an a-hole, but just be yourself and be unapologetically yourself. And I will tell you that... Um, especially with drinking. I don't know if you were like this, but you didn't really have a problem with it. Not necessarily um, drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I stopped drinking, misery loves company. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. likes your f- good friends. I lost most of them and I ended up with Stu. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not a commercial for sobriety. Of fr- most of yeah. your friends, yeah. Yeah. they like you the way you are. And when you say, hey, I'm cleaning up, you do whatever you want. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. I'm just making this choice for me. A lot of my friends, they weren't for it. It's a scarlet letter for whatever reason, because you're not on the same level. You're not the one getting intoxicated. With yeah. Them. No, it's weird. Yeah. It's really, really strange. So uh, where are you going from here? What's uh, what's the next? Well, I'm uh, I'm headed to uh, Florida, but I got another speaking engagement in the spring at University of Tennessee under the same group, Uncensored America. So we'll see. I'm sure the, uh, you know, I'm sure the college kids will be out in full force with their pitchforks. But at the same time, Glenn, you know, people say, oh, it's so scary. It's really not that scary getting, you know, people yelling at you. I love, I love it. You know, I love confrontation. So for me, it's like if I could do this every weekend, Glenn, I'm, oh, I'm ready to get on the plane. So oh, let's go! Oh. I'm prime time nine and I let's yell and scream in my face. Only because the, you know, you look at all those kids. You see every single one of them. You're like, oh, those kids are insane. Well, the only person more insane than those kids was me. Prime time nine and nine, Alex Hines. So, so did you watch the Fetterman debate? Oh yeah, was, I mean it was embarrassing. The only person that liked the debate more than any conservative is Dr. Oz. I mean he he was he's a real champion. He was. I think that, I think that took great restraint from Oz, because Fetterman was a jerk from the get-go. He's not only, he's not only having hard time processing things. He, the one thing, he's a lot like my grandfather, my, my dad's father, who was a jerk in real life, and then when he had a stroke, he was just mean. Um, and I, I kind of got that from Fetterman, too. I think he's kind of a mean guy. Oh, for sure. And his wife, Jersey Giselle, she's not very likable either. But, you know, what, what I've noticed on Twitter now with all the blue check marks, they're saying if you tease Fetterman, they're saying, oh, well, you cannot make fun of him. You're an ableist. You're an ableist for making fun of him. And that we need more stroke victims, <laughs> you know, in politics. It's just, you know, there's a big elephant in the room. And if we point to the elephant, you're racist or you're bigoted. What does it tell you <laughs> about the Democrats uh, that... They they already have Feinstein. Uh, they have Nancy Pelosi, who is you know arguably um, not Saying there. Reincarnated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have uh, you have Joe Biden and now Fetterman. I mean, they say they believe in the individual and democracy. I don't think so. I think they would line up a whole bunch of zombies if they would just vote 
the way everybody told them to vote. Well, that's obvious. Did you see the runway footage of Chuck Schumer talking to Joe Biden? And he said you could, you know, hear him wording that the debate didn't hurt us that much. These people do not care about these actually candidates. I mean, if they would, they would put the best candidate forward. But the fact that John Fetterman is, you know, one of the most important Senate seats in Pennsylvania and he is their best choice. That's just a kind of a shocking, sad realization that Lurch is, is going to be running the country. I, I mean, really, come on. I really think he looks um, uh, he looks like Frankenstein from Young Frankenstein. I really, if Gene Wilder was around, maybe somebody can do this just, uh, you know, with Photoshop. But I, I'd like to see Fetterman dressed in the tuxedo on stage doing putting on the Ritz. From the movie mm. Young Frankenstein, don't you remember? Mm. Putting on the Ritz! You don't remember? <laughs> Somebody look it up. Yeah. Well, it you know, is John Fetterman. <laughs> and Glenn, one of the movies that was shot here was uh, Adam's Family Values, which is a great movie, and he looks like a character out of Adam's Family yeah. Values. I mean, he literally looks like He's something. definitely got a lurch situation going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean. I mean, the guy, his tie wasn't. I mean, how do you even consider a guy who lived until what? He was 40 or 50 in, in city, his yeah. parents' yeah. basement. <laughs> well, and, and, I, and I brought up, uh, this was too, how did he even become the lieutenant governor? How did that even... I don't know. How did he become mayor? <laughs> in the town that he was mayor, they lost 40% of their population. Their, their population went down to 1,700 people. So, I mean, the guys, uh, and it's kind of sim- similar to Beto O'Rourke. I mean, these people, they can lose elections and somehow they fail upwards. It's insane. I, I, I love him. He's always talking about gun violence and all the things he did. Dr. Oz never did anything to stop gun violence. You were mayor of a city of 1,700 people. <laughs> How much... I, I lived in a small town growing up that was like... 10 times that size. Like, yeah. well, how, there's no gun violence there. What, what, how much gun violence was there in this town? Well, I know that there was a black man running through right. his neighborhood. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> he yeah. didn't have a gun, but Fetterman did. <laughs> Held him at gunpoint. He stopped doing that. That's true. He did stop <laughs> he that stopped one time. It. Well, and speaking of gun violence, I think if Paul Pelosi might have had a gun, his situation would have been a little better in San Francisco. Either so, him uh, or somebody around him. I mean, like, uh, that is a terrifying situation. We terrifying. don't know anything about who did it. Yeah. You know, we all know what's happening on Twitter where every Republican that has ever been born is already being blamed for it. So congratulations, mm-hmm. everyone. Uh, I apologize. Yeah. But, like, in reality, like, <laughs> how is it. this? How is there not more protection on, on Nancy Pelosi's home? That's absolutely inexcusable. Of course there should be. There's, it only takes one idiot. Right? It only takes one person. Even if she was not famous, she's very, very wealthy. You should have some security there well, and these to are protect the, yourself. These are the same people that said January 6th is worse than 9-11. So, I mean, come on. If you're going to protect yourself yeah, from... If they believe that, she would be believe sure. If they believe that, yeah. then she would be protected as if her house was Fort Knox. Mm. Alex Stein, thank Great you. Point. Always a pleasure. It's, it's an honor and a pleasure. It's, uh, it's good to have you here. And you'll be joining us on election night. Yes, sir. I'll be so. there. And we got some bits, some wild stuff coming. So make sure to tune in, guys, yeah. because we're going to be going insane for the Ukraine. It'll be, it'll be great. Na, 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 na.